Matthew Brenner here from WR Dojo. I'm really excited because today's guest is going to be Jacqueline Scott. And Jackie Scott actually is a good friend of mine and has a really unique journey about getting involved in the martial arts industry and starting a school. And she took a path that's very untraditional. And I don't know anyone else who's taken any path like this in the past because she started with basically zero martial arts experience. So she's gonna show you today and, and, and tell you her story about how she went from working like a regular job in HR all the way to running a martial arts school in just a couple short years. So Jackie, thanks thanks for coming on today. Uh, I am excited to be here. I actually more excited than I thought that I would be <laughs> to be like telling this story, so. All right, cool. And, uh, and yeah, I'm, I'm happy you're here. So tell us a little bit about like your background, like right now, and then we'll kind of dive into like kind of like in the past. Sure. So where I am today. So I am from Philadelphia, and I continue to live in Philadelphia. I have a house in Queen Village, section of Philadelphia. I lived there with my boyfriend and my dog Duncan, who is 13 years old. <laughs> and yeah, I have a martial arts studio, Action Karate Fairmount. We're located in like the Fairmount Brewery Town section of Philadelphia, and we have about 175 students right now. Cool. And how long have you been open there? We are just about to hit our three-year mark. Cool. And I, and I know we were talking before we got on here, you're just getting really your first full group of black belts, like seven students who are going to be testing in a couple months. That's yeah. really exciting. I'm so excited for them. Like we have our black belt practices early in the morning and this is one time I'm like jumping out of bed to like get there and like see all of their practice and help them along. So yeah, really excited. So what's after three years now, like tell me what's going on with the business. Like what are you generally grossing a month like on average? Yeah. So three years in, we are, like I said, we're about 175 students right now and the gross is around 38. I would say that's a good average and has been for the past year. So cool. we've been around 38, a little low, a little higher. We've yeah, hit yeah. 40 a few times, but generally 38. Okay. That's great. So you didn't, you're not a person like me who grew up doing martial arts. Zero. And <laughs> yeah, you had like no experience. So I think that's, that's what's so amazing. So tell us about how you even got involved in martial arts in the first place and what you were doing before that. Sure. So I went to Temple University for business communications and found myself in with a human resources career path pretty fast, like pretty quickly after after college. So I started in recruiting and then I worked my way to employment relations. And for people who don't know what that is, that's really like the legal side of HR. So when you think of that, it's all of the issues that can come up for employment. So it's not like the fun hiring or like culture, like diversity. It's really like, okay, an employee did something and now we have to figure out what path we're going to take, right? So a lot of investigations, a lot of write-ups, a lot of performance plans, a lot of terminations. So yeah, I started as an employment relations coordinator, did a lot of compliance, um, and, you know, quickly was, you know, moving my way up that ladder, corporate little HR bunny. And 
yeah, so that that's what I did for 11 years before I started in the martial arts. So how I started is I Can have, I go back? Sure. Because I want to talk about this job because I think it's very interesting. Yeah. So you worked in HR and you said the word termination. Sure. Right. So by that, you mean like just firing people who yeah. maybe act poorly on the job. Yeah, for sure. I mean, there's a lot of reasons people get fired from their position. But yeah, I mean, it's pretty crazy. I always say like people who are in this field, like we could easily write like bestseller books, like stuff that you like literally couldn't even imagine happening or like just like made up or exaggerated. It happens all day, every day. <laughs> um, so I've, you know, I say this with like a little bit of a smile, but like I definitely have fired thousands of people in my life and written up thousands more and just, you know, there's expectations and then there's the reality of what happens. And, you know, what I always found very interesting is like, okay, getting to where you land with a person and like a set of fact patterns, right? And some of that's driven by policy, like legal policy, right? Like laws that have been put into place and then others like employer policies. And then there's an action. And then from there, there's further action. And like, what are you going to do? And so I always found that to be like the best part of my job is like, I really had to use my brain, right? Like I had to like sift through, it's never cut and dry. And I like to operate in the gray. So it's like working your way through that and then figuring out, right? Like, Firing people sucks. It's really hard. How you get there is actually interesting. And then, like, once you make your decision, that's when the hard, you know, the hard stuff, the the human emotion gets back into it. Mm. So if you're uncomfortable with it, you, you don't have to. But is there sure. any stories that you could share? Is uh, that going to get you in some legal trouble? Like... Yeah. I will say one of the, like, fan favorite stories that I will share that – I think maybe listeners would enjoy is there was once upon a time a man and I will not say where or when but he social media is like a pretty interesting area right and even though it's been around like a lot of case laws just like coming out about it what you can do what you can't do as an employer and as an employee right so we had a man and he was in a work bathroom, right? He was in, he was on company property and like an identifiable enough space. It was the bathroom. And he took a picture of himself masturbating, (laughs) like a video. (laughs) And he thought he was sending it to his partner, his whatever, but accidentally uploaded it to like his story. Like a public story, yeah, like on Instagram, on a public story. And, you know, he's friends with people at work or at his job, right? And, you know, these people saw it and then was, of course, totally freaked out or like was like, what the heck is this? And, you know, reported it. And so then it was like a whole thing. Like, first of all, I will never not get this video out of my head. So you had to watch like, the video. I had to watch the video. I have the video. I mean, not anymore. Right? I have the you video saved, saved right? Like it's yeah. in his, it's in this file, like this investigation <laughs> file. Oh and it's very interesting though. Like you would think that that would be like cut and dry. This guy is getting fired. But of course, it's just always more complicated than that. And it's like, okay, obviously this isn't allowed. 
But why isn't this allowed? And what can you point to written that says this isn't allowed, right? Mm. So if, if, if that's what I'm saying. Like, use it. I really got to use my brain and, like, you know that that's not right. But how do you then justify it so then when this guy comes back, which he will, and say, you were, you know, you unjustly terminated me. What what policy did I break? Mm. You have to be able to come back and like point to actual, you know, sent, you know, subsets of this policy or the law or whatever, right? So like that's sort of like building your case is always the interesting part, I think. So how do you have a conversation with someone about that. I'm really uncomfortable. Yeah, of course. It's like really uncomfortable. Like you show him the video, like, oh, I, (laughs) here's what I got. I mean, at that point, he sort of knew all you really need to say is like, we have the video. Like we have been sent the video. We've watched the video, right? So yeah, that's uh, it's not a comfortable conversation. It's even seasoned pros, right? Like even people, you know, who like me who have been doing this for a while or you know lawyers who are also involved in the case right it's never just me you're working with a team and collaborating and trying to figure this out yeah it's not comfortable for anybody i mean that's a pretty extreme example right of like okay that person was fired but even when it's like less egregious it's still there's a very human element to it and there's a lot of feelings that go into that and like emotion, right? So you have to be pretty detached. And I always thought I did a pretty good job of being detached in the moment when talking to that person. But then when you turn that off and then you go home, you know, it, that got like, you know, as horrible as it was. And like, of course, you still like you feel bad, right? Like that that guy's a dad. Yeah, right. I mean, like he was this, sending it to his girlfriend, or he met her wife, or whoever. Whatever. And he didn't mean to put it on social like media. Like his kids saw that on social media. You know uh, what I mean? Like he now doesn't have a job. Like so, there's a whole unweaving of that personally that you you have to go through, right? Yeah. Everybody makes their own choices, but I think, especially for me, I'm a, I feel like I'm a very empathetic person. So it just like made it very hard to separate what I had to do from the human aspect of it. Mm. So how did you deal with that when you, you know, get home and you have that like emotional, I don't know, baggage, I guess. Yeah. Like what's it? You said 10, over 10 years. Yeah. 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 Okay. So how do you deal with firing people and losing their job? Like when you get home, you know, I, grow callous is it like a, no i know i know like it's not easier i mean maybe for some people it is and i and that's definitely true and i think some people are probably definitely better suited for that sort of thing and really can just like completely turn it off i'm not one of those people i would say the last five years when i really started to take on more responsibility and like head a lot of these decisions there was a lot of like sleepless nights like I was not I I did not sleep well for five years I would say and you just sort of at some point you have to turn it off but it's hard I always think things are like harder and worse at night right so nighttime was sort of like the the trickier time and it's Mm. it's it for me it was never like easy easy unless somebody was just like you know that guy you can still feel a little empathy for him right like if someone's like hurting you know like there's sort of like levels to it but like you know people who just make mistakes it's like you know you feel bad yeah so 
is it okay if I like speak openly about sure. numbers? Is it okay? Sure, of course. So like at that job, it stunk. It's some parts of it stunk. I'm sure there's some parts you like, yeah. right? I mean, you were there for 11 years, no, you know, so. Mm-hmm. And you're obviously smart, educated, could have got a job somewhere else, but stayed there, right? Yeah. Uh, for a long time. And, uh, but you know, you're doing well, like financially, like you're making six figures, yep. comfortable life, have a house, great dog. So how did you end up getting involved in, in martial arts? And the reason why I bring this up also is that like, so many people think you have to be like me, where it's like, oh, you, you, you're training martial arts your whole life, mm-hmm. right? So obviously that's a choice for you. You know, I've been doing it since I was three years old. But there's always people who want to change their circumstance if given the right opportunity that they feel is a good fit for them. And I feel like you're the poster child for that, or one of the poster child. Yeah. So how did you get from firing people, putting them on the firing line every day to yeah. running a martial arts school? It was definitely a leap. I was actually telling an acquaintance like the story and, and she said, wow, like you're so brave to like have left such a stable situation to jump into something like this. And I, I never really thought about it like that, but I guess in some ways it is. I think it was definitely made easier by the people who like surrounded me making this decision. So sort of how did I get started? We have a mutual friend, Michael, who has also been doing karate since he was like five years old or whatever. And we've been friends since high school. And so I always sort of saw him going off and doing his karate thing after school was done. And, you know, from high school, he always encouraged me to like get involved, like, oh, you should come take classes. And, you know, what, you know, again and again, I was always like, no, no, karate's so weird. Like, karate's like, that's not my thing. I played tennis, I swam, like that was, you know, what I grew up doing and what I really enjoyed. So there wasn't really a whole lot of room for it either. And then as we, you know, grew up, you know, stayed friends in high school and college and after, and I saw him all the time and he'd always like sort of gently urge me to get involved. I was like, no, 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 no. Every time there was just like tons of no's. Um, I How didn't... did he ask you? Because I obviously you're, best, you're like one of his best friends, yeah. right? So, and he, you obviously saw what he did, but he obviously didn't want to pressure you into it. So how, how would he ask you even? Yeah, like I remember one of the times right after college, he asked, he's like, oh, we're going to do like a bag workout. Like a, he, I had taken like a couple kickboxing classes. And he's like, oh, well, we do like the same thing. Like, why don't you come take class here and like bring one of your friends, like bring, you know, bring Kate with you or whatever, and you can come have fun. And and we did. And it, and it was fun, but it just didn't stick at the time. I think a lot of things is right time, right place, right? So he would just like encourage me to come to class or. So he, he wasn't like, hey, do you want to run a martial arts school? No. He was like, oh, come, come check out a class. Yeah, take a class. Fun, right. Like, and he would say like, oh, I think you'd be really good at teaching. Like we, I would like tell him different stories. He's like think you'd be good at teaching. And I'm like, I don't know the first thing about teaching. Like, no thanks, right? And then he told me about a program that he was piloting, like, with his brother and one of your friends, Josh, who we can get into that later, but that he was he was doing this program and neither of them had really done a ton of martial arts. They both had, like, I think some background in it, but and was like, do you want to do it with them? It's this program to like jump into the martial arts and learn all about the like taking karate and also teaching karate and then like potentially like running a business. Oh, like the master's program. Yeah, it was right? the master's class, right? And yes. I was I was like, oh, I don't know. That sounds like kind of interesting. Let me think about it. And then put it out of my mind and never really thought about it. And I remember 
him telling me that his brother had started it and I was like I felt a little jealous and it was like huh why do I feel this way like why am I like a little bit like jealous that this is like happening and his brother had even though he was doing martial arts his brother had really no martial arts experience either like he was like a sports guy Correct. Right. He was like a sports guy. And can you give us a little bit of background about what this master's course was? Like, so, was yeah. So the master's course was in six months that you would go from wherever you were in your training, like your martial arts training, to getting your black belt. So it was like very, very martial arts focused where you were taking classes multiple, I mean, multiple, multiple times a week. There was at-home practice. There was at-home, like, fitness requirements. There was the business side was the other huge part of it was, like, okay, how do you then run, like, a successful martial arts business? So it was a lot of learning the curriculum for teaching and learning, you know, the best practices and setting up first lessons and doing lessons and how do you talk to families and what are you looking for and, you know, it was it was literally all encompassing from like the karate part to it to the business acumen. And that's what that class sort of molded together. I mean, it was that class in and of itself was a full time job. I mean, it was like 40, 50 hours a week, like no joke of work. Mm, OK, cool. So it's like a full intensive martial arts training and business training. Yeah. So what was your intention with this school? Would you just do it because you were jealous of someone else doing it? No, like, why no, no. Yeah, yeah. So so that I, I missed the boat on that first program, oh, like okay. the first time. I didn't do it the first time. And then Michael came back to me and said, hey, we're doing a second one. Do you like I know you were thinking about it like after. Do you want to do you want to try it this time? And I was like more on the fence about it i had actually given it some thought and then i was at a holiday party with michael and would soon be one of my friends john i met him that night and they john was like well why wouldn't you just try it like why don't you just try it out see if it's something you could do da, 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 da. so thanks john for giving me the final push uh, to do it so anyway i was like i i guess the just the way that he had phrased it he's like what you know what's the harm in trying it right like and Michael very much reassured me of the same thing. Like, listen, come take it. Come to the first class, right? And if you don't like it and you figure out it's not for you, then that's it. It's fine. Like, this is not like a life alter. It was never presented as like all or nothing. You have to do this. And like, once you get started, there's no like stopping. It was not like that at all. There was once I sort of reframed it in my mind that it was not. I was not necessarily then going to go open up a karate school. It was just an option to explore. I felt like much more comfortable with it. So I said yes. And then the beginning, January of 2019 is when we like we got started. Were you still working a full-time job? Of course. Okay. So yeah, you're yeah, still yeah. doing your HR job and doing this. I mean, it was like bananas. I mean, truly, it was like, I look back and I have no idea how I did it. So this during this master's class, I would like go in early in the morning and I ended up like I had really good one really good boss at like my last position that I had and I like told him what was going on and I said can I have some flexibility I need to be able to like leave earlier and he said yeah like you're I'm not trying to like tell my horn here but he was like yeah you're a mate like of course go do what you need to do like you always get your work done you're always such a hard like fine go like I had put in so much hard work there that I had built up so much good in myself that like 
no one would have ever thought that I still wouldn't do what I needed to do. You mm. know, I had I had really built up a very good reputation mm. as like a competent employee. So if yeah. you had to go early or whatever. So if I had to go, like go do whatever you need to do. So it'd be like I would Mondays was like a hard day. It was like work, leave work like two thirty, drive an hour to like Feasterville, whatever take classes, get, like, do the karate, do multiple classes of karate, go over the business stuff that we had been working on for the past week and then, like, do it again. And then, you know, throughout the rest of the week, it was, like, the expectations were you were training at other schools. So, like, you would go and check out, like, the other action karates in in the area and, like, work with those leaders. And it was a full immersion, yeah, right away. But then, you know, I would go home and I would, you know, there a lot of my clients were on the West Coast. So there would be like emails that were coming in. And so there would be this like push and pull of like, which one do I focus on now? Right. And like, you know, if I had to stay up till 11 or 12 and get the work done, then I got the work done and I was able to make it both work. And I will always be thankful to the leaders who let me do that. But yeah, it was, uh, it was a pretty, pretty intense. I remember after my first class, I mean, I just, I was learning short one. And so I, I really feel like I get it when our students like are having trouble with like katas and stuff, right? Because like I was on the mat and I just like cried. Like I had never done, mar- when I say I had never, I don't, you know, I didn't know any of this stuff. And it was very confusing to me. And I didn't know like the words or like, stances or like heel toe like your brother you know your brother and i'm like what the f is heel toe (laughs) like what does that even mean like step back okay but it's not really back it's like back in a direction but not like like everything was just like so overwhelming to me and i cried and then i cried the second time and then i cried the third time but i waited Till I got to the car the third time. So I thought that was real growth on my part that I like <laughs> didn't cry on the mat. <laughs> and, you know, I, and I would call Michael and be like, oh, I hate it. Like, I hate it so, like, this is not for me. And be like, just like, okay, it was your first class. Like, you have to take like a second class, right? And I was like, okay. And it was just, you know, I, ju- it was not like, I fell in love with it the first time and like I knew that this was going to be it for me. That is not my journey. It was it was very like it took time. Like I would say it took me like I was like, all right, let me just. I'm a little bit stubborn in that way, but I was like, all right, well, now I started. I'm going to finish this program at least like, oh, this is hard. Like, oh, I can do all of the hard things like, okay, watch me do this class now. Right. Like then I just had like the determination that I was going to finish it. But I still was not sure that I wanted to like own a karate studio. I thought I'd be like maybe a really good teacher somewhere or something like that or do a part-time. Like it wasn't until it actually happened that it was like, oh, this is happening now, right? Like this is not something that I grew up doing or that I did it once and I like automatically fell in love with it and was like, this is my career now. Like for me, it was like a very slow, like slow awakening of the love for it, like a, or like a real appreciation for it and like what it can do more than like a infatuation. Yeah, yeah, it's like a slow boil. Yeah, right? yeah, definitely a slow boil. So what I think is so interesting about that is you had a full-time job. Mm-hmm. You're making a great money at the full-time job. Yeah, I was, you know, making 
well over a hundred thousand dollars with like bonuses that would come in as well. So yeah, yeah, amazing. I was doing well. And like they liked you at your job, they right? Did. It wasn't they... like they were trying to get you out. No, they like in fact like very much the opposite. Like they had sat me down and they were like, "Listen, we think that like you really have like it. Like you could run the HR department one day. Like the whole thing. Like let's set you up and give you experiences to like have you do that." So the funny part about that to me is that great job, you're good at your job. You're busy. It's not like you know, you're working 15 hours a week. This is yeah. a full-time job. And your friends just say, hey, why don't you come try this? And they ask you in a very casual way yeah. a couple of times. And eventually you go to this class that you know nothing about just because your friends do it. And you see you know, what they do. Mm-hmm. And then all of a sudden you're, you go, you're <laughs> crying. But you're like, I'm going to be stubborn and finish this anyway. And somehow that leads you to the path of where you are, where you are now, which is like a totally different yeah. life. Mm-hmm. Okay. So can you tell us like, how is your life different now than it was when you were working in the HR job? I mean, it when I tell you that it is like a full different life, I mean, like it is a full different life. And it's so crazy that that other life was just three years ago, right? Mm-hmm. It's just Sometimes I can't even like believe it, like how um, integrated karate has become to my life. I mean, in every aspect, it is different. I mean, I am very just from the moment that you wake up to like what you do at the end of the day, like it almost feels like a parallel universe. Like, you know, I wake up now and I can you know, I set an alarm and I, I still get up early, but like, I, you know what I mean? Like there's no like, okay, must be up by 6.15 so I can get in the shower and do da, 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 like have such a regimented like morning where I have to be like rushing around and like get on the subway or get in my car and park and then go into the office and like be there and have a bunch of meetings throughout the day, right? Like I wake up and it's like mostly kind of peaceful, right? Like I wake up, I make myself coffee, I can take my time, I can read, which is what I love to do in the morning. Now I have time to do that. I can, like, I know this is silly, but like, I like I love taking my dog for walks. Like, I, this is like my favorite thing to do. And like, we'll have, like, I'll let him out. And we'll ha- we'll still have a meeting. Like you know, this is the way that our, our organization is run. And maybe we'll get into this. Maybe we won't. Like it's still like there's still expectations for you know how we are to operate this school. So it's really helpful to like have a meeting in the morning to set our days and then like go off and do that work. So we'll have the meeting and then I'll like walk the dog and then go to my favorite coffee shop and like talk to my baristas about like you know whatever is going on and then you know I get to sort of set the pace for my day and like what needs to get accomplished and I feel like I have more autonomy in what I'm doing at all the time so you know of course at night we go and we teach classes we have lessons but like it's just in terms of like the way that my day is structured there's a lot less stress and like pressure around like what needs to get done and then even I mean I have like my best friends from high school and like my family and like I'm so lucky to still have them in my life. But like, you know, the people that I'm like interacting with the most now are like all karate people, which is just I, I didn't know anybody like three. Like I didn't even know you three years ago, you know, now like you're one of my best friends and it's just the world just seems to be. It's just different in a nice way, in a, like in a softer way. 
So how did you, I mean, obviously you went through the, the master's class, right? Yeah. But there's no, you didn't really go into it with like an idea of, okay, I'm going to open up no. a martial arts school. Absolutely not. So how did you get over that leap of like, okay, I'm going to actually leave this great paying stable job where they love me and I'm good at to I'm going to run a martial arts school that I've never done before. How did you get over that? I would say like a couple glasses of champagne really helped me on that. Okay. <laughs> this is like a true story. So I think that probably was a great thing for me that it moved so fast because it didn't let my anxiety sort of creep in and give me all of the reasons like, what if, what if, why not, right? So it was sort of like we were away on a vacation. I was like relaxed enough. We had been out to dinner. I literally had a few glasses of champagne and they're like, are we going to do this? And I was like, yeah, let's do it. Like, let, like. Okay, I think I figured out the trick now. Yeah, is get people a little drunk and <laughs> yeah. ask if they want to open up a martial arts. Business. Let's call it tipsy, okay? <laughs> let's call it tipsy. I mean, I think though it sort of let my guard down a little bit. Like, I think just the entire environment, right? Like being out of my day to day of doing that job and like being a little bit more like carefree. I think it really allowed me to say yes. You know what I mean? Like, I don't know if like everything happens for a reason or not. Like, I'm not, I'm not really sure that I believe that, but what I do know is that it happened because I let it happen. I was in the right, like, mental headspace to allow it to happen. I think that's a little Abraham Hicks, like, manifestation, like, you attract what you bring, whatever. But it was the right time, and I said yes, and then, then I got back, and then, like, the work really started. But I think your question was, like, how did you go from, like, one to the other? And it, it did happen fast, but... I had very much decided that I wasn't going to quit my full-time job to do this full-time. For me, it was there was not even a question in my mind that I would do both. Like I would do both until I again figured it out if this is something that I really wanted to do. So I guess in a way I always had an out I always like could like a safety net. Like a safety net, a hundred percent. Like I was never just diving head first into it. I'm like, you know, I'm not necessarily a cautious person, but in this scenario, I always like opened I I just had it open to the possibility that of what it could be. So I said yes, let's open this up, like let's go and do it. But I I also told my boss, like, I was doing this. Like, my friend was opening a studio, and I wanted to help him out to see if this is something that I wanted to do. Like, I was very upfront with the people that I worked for. Like, this is the scenario. Somehow they were supportive of that, too. And so I, I think it just, like, knowing that you always have choices that like every decision isn't your last decision that it's just like another one and that's something that I have really embraced and one of my biggest like growth is that like not everything is forever you know it can just be the next step and there's always going to be things that come after that and so sort of attaching myself to that like this is my mentality and there's options, right? It, it made it definitely easier. And I think I was reading Adam Grant's book, like the originals at that time too. And there was something in there about that, that like the most successful business people, you know, aren't like, it's not like nobody has just like one great idea, right? Like it's like 
they, they have thousands of them and like one of them just ends up working out right and so i think if you take that mentality right or like successful business people like though they will do both until they have enough stability built up to be able to leave so yeah so i did both for a while i did both for a year okay yeah. and then how did you eventually take the axe to the other job like what made you was the money being replaced at that point from one job to the next like what happened sort of i had done a good job so i i i had decided not to take a salary at first for the first year that i wasn't going to take a salary that i was just going to like put this money into the business and keep it going but that I would be very intentional about saving money so that eventually, as long as everything kept going and like progressing in a, like in a, in a positive way, that I could leave that job. So I wanted to make sure that I had like, like a financial safety net, like right, I had emergency funds saved up. So I wanted to make sure that they like hit a number that I felt comfortable at in case this all went to shit. <laughs> um, so I, there was a lot of doing that to make sure that I was ready. And then at, at some point, I mean, the pandemic also really, I don't think I would have done it as long if it wasn't for how 2020 all shaked it, like shook out, right? I think that really just prolonged it. Prolonged uh, you being at the other job? Correct. Oh, okay. Because you didn't know what was happening with the martial arts school. I didn't know what was happening. I mean, I didn't know what, nobody knew what was happening with anything. So I was just like, okay, well, also like, thank freaking god i didn't leave my full-time job to do this full-time because you know we had just we had opened at the end of november of 2019 and then all of this started ha like I, I remember in february i had parents like not enroll because of this they wanted to wait to see what was happening and like i had people who had enrolled like say that they weren't comfortable like you know this is before like the big like march 16th like everything shut down like this is like people like reading into what was going to happen and so we like already started like losing people because of this it was like crazy and then i probably had like four i think like 40 some students at that time and then i went down like half right away so yeah i mean it definitely i did both for longer because mm -hmm. they're like you know this could have not worked out at all yeah, it really, like, Yeah, who knows? Maybe all martial arts schools would have been shut down yeah. or any in-person activity. Yeah. So you're lucky you had that. Sick, yeah, sick I totally. So I did both, and I was able to do both and had the flexibility of working from home because then everybody was working from home. So that that really helped me be able to do both for so long. It was like, you know, the pandemic is not a blessing, but if there was one thing that came out of it, it was that it, it like, really allowed me to not have to, like, run, 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 run. So, hmm, yeah. Cool. And then from where, where you're at now, if you saw yourself, uh, or sorry, someone like yourself, uh -huh. and they were thinking about maybe getting involved in martial arts, maybe they have a friend like you who's yeah. involved, or they know someone, and they wanted to get involved but weren't sure what to do, um, what advice would you give them? What advice would I give them? I guess I would say be not even do it. I'm not even going to say like be willing to take a risk. I think what I would say before you even get there is like you have to decide are you open to new opportunities? You have to open yourself up to these opportunities, right? Like everything at the end of the day I think is the way that you look at things and the way that you perceive things. So, you know, you could start something and like you could decide like 
it's all like your like the mind is such an interesting place to be in like it really is like i think you have to be open to the and be open to the possibility of something else working out i think that's what you like you have to be i have to you have to know thyself like are you somebody who could be open to something like this, right? Like you have to know yourself. And then if you've gotten yourself to a place to say, yeah, like I am, I am open to like having this new chapter of my life, then just give it a try. And then you know that nothing, you know, is forever. Like this isn't a permanent decision. Like I don't foresee this happening, but like at the end of the day, like if in five years from now, like this isn't it for me, then this isn't it. You know what I mean? Like, then this isn't it for me. And I want to go try something else. And I'm going to do that. And all of this stuff is scary. But like, if if you just break it down into like smaller pieces and be like, okay, this is what I'm going to do. And then let's see what happens next. And then like, let's see what happens next. It's not like that all or nothing thinking, like I was saying. Mm-hmm. So I would okay. say like, just take a little, like, take a little, take a small little bit of bite. Yeah, small bites instead of like eating the whole sandwich. Like, take a bite of it decide how you feel about it and then go from there that's funny because i think that's usually like i think that's good advice but also sometimes the opposite advice that i give yeah sometimes i'll be like okay well if you want to steal second base you gotta take your foot off first you yeah take a risk right and i think a lot of times when people are half in and half out is when they never really in either one and they yeah. never succeed in either one and they'll say oh this didn't work and and, and this didn't work well it's because you never really fully dedicated yeah right? i mean but that's the part about like i think that mental goes so much into it you know why did i ultimately give up my second job is because like if this was really going to work then i needed to go all in at some point but i'm saying in the beginning that's not where you have to be. I think to be where I'm at now with my school, yeah, you have to make that leap at some point. But I think in the beginning, that's not, I don't think in the beginning that's where you need to be. You have to live in the gray area. Yeah, like you, you do. Yeah. yeah, like eventually you have to make a decision. And I think what you said about being the type of person that is open to ideas, not like, okay, I am open to an idea or I, open to opportunity but i'm that type of person and yeah you kind of give yourself that label like mm-hmm. i'm the type of person that that is open to new opportunities yeah. and not a person that's just that is gonna be stubborn and where i'm at you know not to say you're gonna go in a different right. way but you're open to it and i think that's so cool because when you give yourself that like identity or like that label then it's easier to make those decisions mm-hmm. it's like you know for me i am like when I, when I look at myself, like my identity is a person who's going to exercise and eat relatively healthy my entire life. Yeah. Like I just, that's just who I am. Right. It's like a part of me, right? And when you give someone else that identity, like Michael gave you and he's like, hey, like you'd be really great at this, right? And right. you think, oh, maybe, maybe I would be great at this or, or maybe I would be a good teacher. Maybe I could really like it. And you gave yourself that opportunity to bring it in and then like we're able to discover that for yourself. Yeah is how you got to where you are today, right? Mm-hmm. So besides chatting with the barista, right? Yeah, and yeah. having your casual mornings and, you know, we have our morning meeting we have every day yep. at, at 9 a.m., right? Or at least Monday through Thursday. But besides that, how's it different, like, like satisfaction-wise for, for you? For me, it's all of the students and, like, actually being on the mat and teaching them. When I get to interact with them and like hear their like little giggles in class or like see them do something that they were 0% able to do before. It is a completely like 
warming affirmation that I have like made the right choice for myself. Like when I see their growth, you know, there's, there's the like crap about every job. Like, you know, there's always good. Like there's, I would be lying if I said it was like, this was like perfect. It's not perfect. Nothing's perfect. But you you know, again, you have to sort of like choose your hard. So and, what's the hardest? What do you think is the best? What's the best part? Oh, the best is the kids. The best is the ninjas, ages four to five, if I could be very specific, and my little girl gang, okay? They are my favorite part of, like, what I do. The hardest part is, I think, any martial art. Like, I, I can't imagine that this isn't the hardest part. It's not, like, the admin stuff for me, or it's, like, parents who are just so quick to give up to me is the hardest part. Like, it's not even the quitting. Like, okay, that's like, that's fine. Like people are going to quit. Some people had their journey and this isn't like, this isn't their journey and we let them on their road. But it's like the students who have come so far and they hit a roadblock or like the schedule is just like a little inconvenient. It's like, come on. Like, you know, you just sort of want to like, like shake them a little bit and just be like, come on. <laughs> like it's, you know, this is how kids like learn these things. Like, it, you know, is, is through that grit and perseverance, like, and, and like having the parents just like not be on the same page with that is so, is so difficult for me. Like, I think it is like very much the like Amazon culture that we live in where like people want things immediately they want them just how they want them. And they think it's like, I'm going to buy this. And if I don't like it, if it's not perfect, like, you know, like there's 5,000 other options and I'm going to return it. And that's the end of that. And I can return it with all of my money back in two days. Right. So like she's starting summer camp and like the schedule is just like, there's not a ton of, it's not like it doesn't work. It's just like not as convenient that I think for me, that's the hardest part. It's just like, the society that we live in and like the expectations about like getting what you want all the time and then just like making it so easy to like quit like that stuff. It's not like if kids don't like it, it's just like the convenience stuff is really a killer for me. Mm. So how do you talk to a parent like that if they're, cause for not, I mean, for you, you're the type of person that convenience is not the number one, I would say motivator because nothing about starting a martial arts no. school is, it would be more convenient to just stay where you were at. Totally. Right. And move up the ranks there. So, you know, what do you say? I, I'm not, I'm going to be very honest with you. This is an area where I still have like a lot of room to grow. Like, what do I say? I, um, like call people who are smarter than me and like ask them for some advice. Like you'd think like, oh, you went from like firing people. Like you should be able to have these like really tough conversations. And that's not, that has not been my experience here. To me, you know, I have built like such like strong relationships or somewhat of a relationship with these people now, right? And I find it really difficult to say what I really want to say a lot of the time. And I know that you can, or I believe, and Mr. McCreary, who I think was on here before, your podcast before it was like you know you can say anything really as long as you're saying it from the right place and you're saying it with love and I know that but I'm also such a people pleaser that it is like hard for me to like say give that feedback to them so I don't know I don't I don't really think I have a very good answer to that question I'm not very good at it and that's 
something that like I know that I need to continue to work on, right? This is again, this is all this is all new. And like, yeah, there's parallels to like the HR, but also in a like in a lot of ways, there's like not, right? Like with that, you're using facts and like just like, you know, like you were calling on other things. Like now you're talking about like how parents are raising their children. And I still think I have a little bit of a, like an imposter syndrome just because this all happened so fast and I've only been doing it for three years. So sometimes I like second guess myself and I'm like, am I saying the right things? Like, is what I'm saying actually accurate? Are they going to take me seriously? You know, it's all in your head. Like nobody even, you know, none of the, none of these parents would even know that I'm thinking any of this stuff. But I think for me, I'm at a place where I'm still, it is all still so new and I'm, I'm making mistakes or whatever I'm learning you, you gotta have that positive spin on it but it's really hard like you know it's easier said than done right like yeah 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 you'll just do it better like for the next time yeah but it's hard also not to be good at something right like it, it's really for me that is the thing that I miss the most about my job is that like I was very much an expert like I knew what I was doing like I was very well respected and I felt like I knew what I was doing like I felt very secure and I don't feel that way every day. I'm not saying I don't feel secure ever, but like there's still like a lot to learn. And, you know, that's something that, you know, I'm very envious of people who have had their life in this. In some ways, it like makes it easier to call on your experiences and mine are just more limited and they'll grow in it and you know that. But like when it's happening, it's, you know, it, it's just uh, that's the hardest, has been the hardest thing for me to learn. And it's funny because you are more justified in your imposter syndrome because it's newer. It's like only three years, yeah. right? And from zero to three years of going from not knowing any martial arts to being a martial arts instructor mm -hmm. is like crazy. Some people listening to this are probably going to be like, how is that even possible? How do you even let someone do that? Like, that's Horrific. not a real black belt. Like, yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You know, McDojo is what everyone says. Okay, great. I mean, they you probably learn more in that six month period than most people learn in five years, like all intensive full-time job for six months, you gotta get good at it, yeah. right? And obviously like we're not training professional fighters, right? If you were training like UFC fighters, probably be a little bit different, right? Sure. You're training mainly kids and of course adults too, on like how to get in better shape, how to how to defend themselves right. in a very simple, easy way, how to how to just be in in grow the character development that they mm -hmm. need in order to be successful in school and home, which is all way more important than how to throw a punch. Of course. Right? So for for you in terms of your income now, mm -hmm. is it lower than it was before, higher than it was before? Yeah, it's it's higher. I would say it's marginally higher. I'm not talking like another hundred thousand dollars, but I think last year I made like one fifty something, which is twenty grand more than I made. My like last year of doing HR, which is like, like super phenomenal. Like it, it's great. I mean, it's it supports the lifestyle that I had, which is, of course was a big consideration when I was making these decisions. Like, is this something that I'm gonna like? Now I have expectations of the lifestyle I would like to sustain. Is this gonna be able to live up to that? And you know, honestly, I was willing. That's why I like was so set on like having an emergency fund. You know, to sort of supplement where I was at. But I think that was a big surprise that it was like, oh, year two. I made that. And that's amazing. And I think, you know, I'm on track to do something similar 
this year. So that has cool. been that has been nice. And in terms of like lifestyle, I think the ease, like the day to day, is like so important to me. But you know, I'm also able to go away and you know with more frequency. Although you know, I'm also only three years into this so like it's harder for me to like get away because i feel still like we're built we're like in the building mode than like at the like stabilization mode you know so like i still i feel like i want to be there more but you know that's the you know goal is to like have some more flexibility with uh when i need to be or not but cool yeah. i know one of one of your big goals of what i believe i think is like okay now we're at a stable pretty stable spot with your stu student base you still want to build it up yeah, right but now it's like, okay, how do we build our staff to help help you run it, yes. right? So it's not just you doing everything. And I know yeah. we've been working on that with a lot of people under you. I know you have some great people. Maybe not anyone who's ready full time yet. Fingers crossed. <laughs> All right. So hopefully some people soon. But I'm just, I guess, really impressed and proud of like to see someone go from really no martial arts experience to running a school and impacting. 175 souls, mm -hmm. you know, and obviously way more than that because all the people that come in and come out, right? And and to be able to go from a stable job that's very, very busy to a job that's a little bit less stable because it's a new career and new opportunity because you know you're going to have that growth. Like whether you realize it or not, you did take your foot off first and, yeah. to, in order to steal second base. So for anyone who's listening here today, if you run a martial arts school and you're thinking, uh, yeah, I have um, – you know, everyone who's an adult in my school or all my friends, they would never want to do this because they're busy or they have a great job. They would never want to do this. I think Jackie is living proof that you never know until yeah. you ask. Yeah, totally. Right? And you would like ask again. Like, I think there's a difference between saying like asking in a very aggressive way and like keeping the conversation open. Like, so if somebody is thinking about asking their friends, like, don't take the no the first time as like the final no, because if Michael would have done that, I would not be here today. It was just like the casual from time to time, like re-engaging with that conversation. So it doesn't have to be like, do this today. You know, like yeah. it, it can be, you know, don't take no as like, it's always going to be a no. Something could change and maybe it will always be a no or maybe something will change and just uh, just be open to that conversation too. Awesome. Well, thank you so much for being yeah, on here today. Course. And if you're a martial arts school owner and you want to learn how to scale your school quickly, especially without ads, which is what, which is what I'm an expert at, reach out to me personally, or if you're like, hey, I would love to be more involved in martial arts, be a part of a bigger organization mm -hmm. that's going to help me be able to start a martial arts school, you can also reach out to me as well in terms of being a part of our, our Action Karate family. Mm -hmm. So thank you for watching. Have a good day. Bye. See ya.